My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo and Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best. May the force be with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And I am Ted. It's Countdown to the Geeks. How are you doing today, Ted? Or tonight, I should say. Amazing. Also very busy, but it's been a good weekend. How about you? Yeah, it's been a very uh, interesting, busy weekend on the podcast front. Um, I've been doing some editing for some hour story stuff, and I did an interview today with uh, van lathan jr and uh he was really sick so um i told him he didn't have to do it but he's still like a trooper still recorded there you go and uh yeah we got some interesting we we talked about some very interesting things that uh, i'm gonna release on the patreon first if i do release it to the public um it'll be later but uh i i definitely want to release it on patreon and uh, i got a couple of other people that uh, I'm doing editing for right now, and like I mentioned to you before, in the future, I do want to have you on the Our Story segment and and talk about your experiences and opinions of Star Wars, because everyone has really kind of a different Star Wars story, and sure. uh, it's it's really entertaining to hear people people's point of view of yeah. how they've experienced Star Wars, but... I'm down, man. You let me know. For sure. First things first, though, I want to give out shout-outs to our patrons that help support the podcast that are basically helping us fund our trip to Celebration in London. So on the purple tier, Chris Simpson, who is in the in that region. Hopefully we get to, to meet up. Uh, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Zach Netzel. On the red tier, Fenrir526, Matt Heath. Maya Morris on the black tier, Maka Tautala, Nathan Shank, Evan O'Paker, who is in that area, might meet up with them as well. And of course, Liam McCallion, who we're thinking we are going to meet up with. Uh, I don't think he's going to celebration, but he lives in that area and he says he definitely wants to meet. So we might do some video. We might do an hour stories. I'm not quite sure yet, but, uh, Hopefully we do get to see a lot of you guys in person and uh, get to talk about uh, some some of the moments that uh, we've had together on the podcast that um, sometimes they bring up in chat. So feel free to chime in on chat. And without further ado, let's talk about uh, the topics for this week. Sure. So one of the big ones was the fact that Pedro Pascal hosted SNL Saturday night, of course, along with Coldplay. And I thought it was a pretty good episode. Very funny. Um, I know SNL kind of gets a bad rap for not being as funny as it used to be. And it seems like every season they say, well, the previous cast was better. But this felt like a classic episode for SNL. What do you think, Ted? I am probably in the minority. Also, though, the people that complain that Saturday Night Live isn't as funny as it used to be are either from an older generation mm-hmm. or they tend to let their political... They, they, they tend to see everything with a 
their political um, tarnished minds. And so <laughs> things are less funny when it tends yeah. to be um, making fun of things that are part of your political affiliations. I have found SNL to be quite funny every year. And of course, there's some episodes that are better than others. This was a uh, above, this was above average. It was great. It's not one of the best, but um, Pascal is a fantastic um, actor. He's got a wide range of things he can do. He comes off extremely genuine in anything that he does. And uh, I love to see him in more comedic roles. The uh, film he did with uh, Nicolas Cage um, has a very long title. It came out last year. I'm not going to remember what it's called. Yeah. But um, it was hilarious. I was laughing throughout. And so I was looking forward to this one. And uh, it did not disappoint. Lots of great skits. Some that I hope they return to from time to time. But uh, all in all, very enjoyable episode. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, they did a lot of marketing and press uh, for The Last of Us combined with his appearance on SNL. I think there was a TikTok of him dancing with a clicker, and that got a lot of play. They got a lot of views, and it was pretty funny. There's also some media where Pedro Pascal is rehearsing, and he hears something in the background and it's a clicker walking around and you figure, okay, well, okay, they're, they're going to do uh, the last of a skit and they're going to have this clicker come out with a huge, like fungi sticking out of his head that we've all seen in the trailers for the last of us. It didn't happen. They didn't, they didn't use that makeup at all in the show. That was very surprising. I know in SNL, they do cut sketches last minute. Sure. Um, but for the most part, all the sketches were, pretty decent um when you have a celebrity that you know is tied to certain other celebrities you sometimes think okay well there's a possibility this other person can show up so i was thinking that there's a high percentage that maybe oscar isaac was going to show up since they're a very very buddy buddy on sure. uh, social media they're really close and someone did show up in sarah paulson who is really close friends with them. I learned this a few months ago, but they've wow. been friends for a long time. And wow. there's there's video of them like hanging out together and uh, like on weekends and stuff. And there's pictures of them hanging out. And I thought, hmm, that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, she appeared on the show <laughs> and she called herself mommy and called Pedro daddy. <laughs> and that's kind of like the internet's nickname for Pedro Pascal. Which is which is kind of funny and kind of head scratching in a way, but <laughs> that's that's what he's known for on the internet. And they did a whole TikTok skit where he's doing TikTok. That he, he's a teacher. Then he has students that are secretly filming him and making TikToks of him. And um, that was hilarious. It was. It was the the sketch. Usually, you would you would think they would front load the show with the funnier sketches. But I think the funniest sketch, there was two really, really good sketches. There was one sketch where he was a patient that was in a coma, got knocked out. 
Hilarious. And he busted out with this crazy accent, this crazy voice. It didn't even feel like that voice was coming from his from his body. <laughs> you got it. You got to see it to believe it. But that sketch and the sketch where he broke character and laughed and got other cast members to break character. It was a sketch where uh, Ego Nuotum was was cutting an uh, an extra extra, extra well, well <laughs> extra well extra well done steak, and um, I posted it on Twitter on at stuff pod uh, a, a segment of of that sketch and the basis is and see i don't even think that pedro knew the table the dinner table was going to move while she was cutting because once it started moving he just started cracking up and i'm like oh my gosh she already broke character but yeah ego was cutting the steak like sign it it's extra well extra well extra well done and the whole table is shaking the wine is spilling foods kind of flying all over their plates and there's a pitcher sitting on the table that's halfway filled i was watching it the whole time going back and forth and nothing was flying out the liquid was staying in but i figured that pitcher was gonna fly off the table at some point and just like crash but uh one of the cast members uh punky johnson she held it Every time it was on the edge, she put it back, and it was it was hilarious. you got to definitely check it out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I watched it twice because it was so funny. And I actually yeah. think it's less Pedro breaking character, but him reacting to everybody else that's off camera. I think Andrew Yang, I think that's his name. Andrew Bowen Yang. Yang. Bowen Yang. Yeah. Um, he's actually breaking character first, I believe. And Pedro just can't hold it in once he kind of pans over to see him and just loses it every single time. So he should have just stopped looking in that direction because Yang was just, Yang couldn't hold it in at all whatsoever. But I love that one. I love the ones you mentioned. I also loved um, Pedro. Well, yes, the, the, the Mario Kart, what they used to call uh, digital shorts, right? Yes, yes. Digital shorts. That one was fantastic. That probably blew up. That was the first one that blew up all over the internet. But yeah. I also extremely appreciate Pedro playing the uh, Hispanic mother. Yes. While her son is visiting with a a woman who is American or Caucasian. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a um, loss in translation there. And I have Hispanic relatives. You probably have Hispanic relatives. There is a certain stereotypicalness, stereotype, yeah. a, a, a certain stereotype <laughs> when you just have friends from different ethnicities you bring around or girlfriends <laughs> you bring around. And, uh, you know, the further you kind of get away from generations, the further that doesn't happen anymore. But I'm sure this is something a lot of Hispanic individuals have gone through, you know, bringing 
girlfriends or spouses or dates around the family and kind of going through this this whole spiel in one form or another that was just hysterical i was just i was losing yeah. it it was great that was really good yeah he he, he played the the spanish bomb to a t <laughs> almost and he would interchange his english with spanish and it felt like the crowd got a lot of the spanish and were reacting to it oh, which yeah. was interesting and of course new york is is very much a melting pot and a lot of the people that sit, I think, up in the bleacher area are people that are like visiting New York or yep. able to get those tickets. I think all the down level tickets are for VIPs and for people that know other people, kind of. But um, yeah, that all around, man, it was it was a good show, and I'm I'm happy. And Coldplay was a musical musical guest, and I actually saw them last year, and I've seen Pedro in person, so. I've seen both of them in person, which, which was uh, pretty cool. I, I don't, I don't think I've achieved that before. I've, I've been an SNL fan my whole life. But, there you go. Uh, yeah, awesome overall. And of course, they did the play on The Last of Us, but it wasn't quite The Last of Us. They, they said from Nintendo Studios, and it looked like The Last of Us, but Pedro Pascal was playing Mario from Super Mario Brothers. And it was it was awesome. It was a play on that, and it was the next big HBO series. And they busted out the the go kart. Mario got in it. Princess Peach. They had, I think they had Keenan Thompson play Bowser, and he he was throwing yes. the red shells. And yeah, and and man, the 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 digital capabilities they have now for these skits are are pretty good, man. I was kind of like, impressive. wow, that's. That that's pretty good for a digital short type type skit, but yeah, I know we're going on and on about the SNL. Uh, <laughs> they they didn't hold back on that one, and oh man, I had one other thing to talk about. Completely lost it. Um, I'm not gonna get it now, but yeah, no, the digital short was fantastic. It blew up everywhere, and I'm actually more interested. In seeing this version of a Super Mario Brothers um, <laughs> adaptation than I am the animated yeah. one that we're going to get later on this year. Right. So right. make it happen, HBO. Yeah, yeah, that that would be uh, cool if if we could get like maybe like an AI program to just <laughs> render the whole season of that. That would be really cool, I, I would think. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, kudos to them. They. They got a great show to uh they got they executed a great show, I thought. And Pedro was fantastic. It Absolutely. feels like to me that he is he is if he wasn't before, in my eyes, he's like a huge star now. And he's he has nothing to worry about as, as far as getting cast and stuff. And the this part of 2023, it's it's Pedro nonstop. <laughs> so it's it's I mean, you would figure that he would end up in London at Celebration and walk across that stage. He's just a busy guy, though. You know what I mean? He's uh, he's in high demand right now. Uh, I don't know if there's any projects that have been advertised that he's a part of. Um, maybe a season two of Last of Us, but I'm not quite sure when that starts shooting because I know that's been greenlit. But... Um, yeah, and of course he can he can do the audio recordings for 
the Mandalorian, I think, just about anywhere in the world. You know, all you need is an XLR connection, I think. But for sure. <clears throat> He's got so, I know he has a number of things coming up. Um cup there's one TV show, My Dentist Murder Trial. The TV show. A TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he the lead? Uh Looking into it right now. Yes, him and David Harbour are the two leads, and that's in pre-production, so that's going to get started here pretty soon. And then he's attached to another film with um, William Defoe and Morena Baccarin titled Tropico. Nice. I love Marina Bakaren. Who doesn't? Just watching Deadpool 2 before I came on. Oh, wow. Nice synchronicity there. How's it going, Robert? Welcome back That's... to the Power Stuff Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Tired, but happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about Pedro Pascal's SNL episode that he... Uh... Successfully, yeah, he yeah he did a fantastic job. I thought, and and all the skits were pretty top notch. He went for it. He definitely did. I even added a little flavor of it to our uh, Last of Us reaction that we just did for the newest episode. <laughs> there's a there's a part from SNL in there. Yeah. Very nice. So tonight, well, I guess yesterday, depending on what time zone you're in, the the last episode, The Last of Us, aired. Ted hasn't seen it. I've seen it, and I'm pretty sure you have as well, Robert. I definitely um, have. So I saw some news earlier that due to the Super Bowl, HBO is going to release the next episode of The Last of Us on Friday as opposed to Sunday. See, yeah. I was wondering. I was wondering if that was going to change anything because we're pretty busy already as it is on Super Bowl Sunday. And to add a, The Last of Us in there, it's going to be pretty rough. And I think the finale lands on oscars i could be wrong about that but either way it's going to happen while the oscars are happening too wow wow a lot of work for you robert Definitely. and tonight was actually the grammys so i mean there there was kind of a conflict there as well um so the next thing i wanted to talk about here was a fact that our composer for the mandalorian season one season two Ludwig Gorton, Academy Award winner, is actually not going to score The Mandalorian Season 3, what? nor is he going to score Creed 3. So I guess he has a thing against threes. But <laughs> yeah, this report comes out from the Bestman Bulletin. It says, according to film music reporter... Ludwig Gorenson, who scored the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, will not score its third season, despite Gorenson not scoring season three themes such as its iconic opening will still be used with the composer credited. The situation is similar to that of The Book of Boba Fett, where Gorenson composed the opening and closing themes of the show and had Joseph Shirley compose the series. Following his work on Fett, Shirley will be stepping in to take over scoring duties on The Mandalorian season three. Though not reported, it's likely Ludwig Gorenson was unavailable to score the third season of The Mandalorian due to his commitments to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which released in November, and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, which releases this July. 
Gorenson has also stepped away from scoring Creed 3, the installment of the Rocky spinoff series led by Michael B. Jordan, after scoring the first two films. And just as Joseph Shirley is stepping in to compose the score for The Mandalorian Season 3, Shirley is also scoring Creed 3, which, just like Mando, releases next month. So, is it just a case of him just being super busy, kind of maybe worn out just a tad? Um, What are your thoughts, Robert? Oh, I think, you know, when it comes to features and movies versus shows, uh, a lot less, lot less work for him. So if he's only doing Oppenheimer, which it looks like that's it, like that's all he has in the forefront is Oppenheimer. You know, I mean, he's been killing it across the board when it comes to all the scores. He's like Michael Giacchino. You're finding his name attached to everything. And I feel like you know, right now, because he is so successful and has gotten a lot of these properties on track in terms of uh, audio music scoring, uh, he can take a step back and step away and focus more on features because hopefully he'll go from Oppenheimer to the community movie uh, and get back, you know, in, in leagues with them and Childish Gambino. And, uh, but Right now, I feel like he doesn't have to do all that work because scoring multiple episodes, multiple seasons for different shows and movies, like he can take a step back right now and uh, cool his heels while he, you know, hangs out with Christopher Nolan of all people. Yeah, I'm super anticipating Oppenheimer. That cast is ridiculous. It's Christopher Nolan. So it's kind of like one of those no brain for us movies to go to and watch in the theater and of course we all expect excellence i thought dunkirk was just incredible that's one of those movies that i didn't go see at the theater but saw it on home video and it was incredible man i think it's my favorite christopher nolan film which it's splitting hairs because of course you got interstellar and inception pick pick between yeah inception and for me personally Right, the Dark Knight trilogy, but what I was going to say was Batman Begins, for me, I think is my favorite Batman film. It was so kind of under the radar and hit so hard, and then had a freakishly incredible cast. Just ridiculous. I mean, all the names in that in that movie. It, it To me, that movie is still kind of under-talked about and under-regarded, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting backstory with Ludwig because he and Ryan Coogler were college classmates and that's where they kind of met. And I think I heard in an interview where Ludwig stated that Ryan Coogler made the promise to him. If he made it big, he would be the composer for his stuff. And he kept his promise. And now Ludwig is a made man with the, uh, the Academy award win, the multiple Marvel uh, movies now that he's done. And now he's branching out with Christopher Nolan, like we talked about. It's uh, it's an incredible story, and he's a very young dude too. He's, I think, he's still in his twenties, like late twenties. So, he's got an interesting career in front of him. Ted, did you have any thoughts on on Ludwig kind of stepping away? Yeah, as a musician, uh, I've been performing for a little over twenty years now, and I also have a bachelor's in music. I feel that. Uh, Gorenson is a tremendous artist first, meaning that there's a, a whole nother layer or level to creating music 
not just because he has the opportunity, but I feel like he's also looking for ways to push himself and to take on projects that might expect more of him creatively. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is one of those projects that like surpasses anything else that's ever been done before. It's it's really a completely different type of score because he's trying to create elements that are inspired by native uh, civilizations in mm, central and yeah. southern Mexico. The things that he does, the the sounds uh, from the the, the the drums to the whistles to everything in between, it's just so incredible. And that's one of the best parts of that movie. Um, so for me, I think that he's taking on these other challenges because artistically it's pushing him to do something greater and to expand his horizons and also if chris nolan calls you for any for anything you don't say no it's one of the guys you don't say no to so i'm sure that was another thing for him to to just consider if you've done two seasons of the mandalorian and you feel that creatively you probably can't push yourself any lo- any further it just makes complete sense to take on these other films which are really stretching his his mind creatively especially because like one of the best things to come from tenet was the score and you know that was the first time that they really partnered up and then joseph shirley too it's a cool thing that you're starting to see a lot when it comes to the composers is uh especially like with the hans zimmer camp you're getting a lot of different composers that kind of came up with hans zimmer learned from him and then went off to do their own thing like junkie xl uh but you've got joseph shirley i guess who was working with ludwig Göransson for all these movies that they've been scoring he's been arranging the music he was a uh, uh, like a, a technical advisor on it with him so you know you kind of learn before you take the reins which i prefer versus just bringing in a completely new composer yeah you'll get a different flavor maybe something new but somebody who has been there learning it and studying under somebody that is as successful and creatively amazing as ludwig Göransson you're in good hands at that point versus just bringing in somebody, you know, completely random in comparison. Yeah. I I think there might be a little bit of thinking that man, Ludwig is already going to leave and John Williams stayed the whole time, that type of (laughs) kind of comparison between the two. But I I think it's totally different generations. It's probably different schools of thought there. And of course, like Ted said, Christopher Nolan calls you. You're probably going to be like, hey, Disney, Christopher <laughs> Nolan is asking me to do this mega huge epic summer blockbuster. And can I get a pass? I know Shirley is like, he's he's been with me the whole time. We lost David. Oh, no. David. Donde esta David? Uh, to finish his thought, uh, <laughs> yes, when <laughs> when Christopher Nolan calls and it's 
arguably going to be his biggest movie ever. Uh, you can't pass on the the opportunity. And you got you, you got to kind of wonder too. Uh, there's a lot of people coming in right now to Star Wars, especially Andor. So he didn't score Andor, and Andor's score is incredible. Uh, so it makes you wonder if it's like, okay, well, I did my part, and now you've got other people that are coming in and killing it. Yeah. Like you said, does he really need to show up in terms of doing anything new? Because there's really not a whole lot to do. The music's great for the Mandalorian. I love it. But have you heard Tenet? Like, <laughs> have you heard Black Panther and Wakanda Forever? Like the stuff that he's doing there. And I just feel like it is a, a much higher, higher level now compared to what he has done for, you know, two seasons of The Mandalorian. Absolutely. And Disney has probably rights to a lot of the previous stuff. They'll reuse some stuff. They said they're already going to reuse the intro music. So I'm sure they can just pull things when they want to or slightly modify old things, which isn't bad. You can take old themes within previous scores and do new things with them, evolve them in certain ways. And that's what a lot of uh, musicians or composers do to begin with anyways. Yeah. Sorry about that guys. I had a little technical difficulty there. My, my Wi-Fi just shut down and I'm on my phone connection. So my Been there. Might, might go mm -hmm. slightly nuclear here. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about were these four posters that dropped and I'll read an article here from uh, Bespin Bulletin again. Uh, it states, we are officially just one month away from the release of The Mandalorian Season 3, and promotion for the series is due to ramp up any time now. Recently, Trends International revealed a slew of new posters for the upcoming season, which, as expected, has a high focus on The Mandalorians, with Din Djarin expectedly featuring on two posters, one alongside Bo-Katan Kryze and the other alongside Bo, the Armor and Paz Vizsla. The third poster focuses solely on our little green friend, Grogu. In addition to the Trends posters, Disney and Lucasfilm released a new official poster for the upcoming season. And you can see the four posters here on the screen. I have the first poster here if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter. So it's the four prominent Mandalorians from the two previous seasons. You have Paz, you have the Armor, you have Bo-Katan, and you have Din Djarin. The one character that I think kind of interests me probably more so than than Din and Bo is the armor. Are we going to get more armor possible backstory in Mando Season 3 or beyond? What do you guys think? Robert? I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of Mandalorians kicking each other's asses. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope. I hope that there's more depth into everything that is Mandalorian. We've gotten so much lore when it comes to like the Clone Wars uh, and Rebels, but you know, now we get to see it in live action and maybe stuff we didn't know about at all or new things. Well, I guess that would be the same thing. It's redundant, um, but giving us, you know, more of that deep lore, especially when it comes to, you know, what has been going on since, since the rise of the empire and the fall of Mandalore, 
you know, everything that is Mandalore. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing some badass Mandalorian ass kicking. Did you guys see Pedro Pascal when he was on, uh, I want to say it was like Fallon or Kimmel or, and he was talking about how there's going to be big Mandalorian battle. Plural. So yeah, yeah. That's something you would figure. Yeah. He, uh, Pedro Pascal was on Fallon because of course he did SNL and then Fallon films in the same building. So usually the host for SNL will do Fallon, which is what he did. And he did make that statement. They, predominantly spoke about the last of us but there was that blurb in there that robert just mentioned that there are going to be battles and you would figure i mean this this new season of the mandalorian looks a lot bigger looks a lot grander the budget looks bigger the trailers at celebration man were just phenomenal they got you so hyped um being in that room with that trailer man i was just like oh my god this is this is like getting back to Return of the Jedi with that space battle because the, some of the stuff they showed us was just incredible. And getting to see multiple Mandalorians on screen, I think that's been the dream for decades now. And we got a little taste of that in in season one, but I think to see them all kind of grouping together, fighting the Empire, whatever foe they go up against, stormtroopers, what what have you, it's it's going to be awesome. So this was the other poster that was dropped. I think most people have seen, and it's of Dinjar and holding the dark saber with on top of the N one starfighter, which hasn't really been named yet in the show. And Grogu sitting in the bubble where the mm -hmm. astromech droid is eventually going to go R five D four shout out to him. So March 1st, we're less than a month away. Ted, what are your thoughts on uh, these posters here? Well, let me just first start out by saying uh, I'm disappointed we're not getting uh, Cosca Reeves in season three. Uh, I really wanted to see Mercedes back in the galaxy far, far away. It was exciting to see her. Um, so, unfortunately, not seeing her. Um, I'm extremely looking forward to season three because once upon a time last year, uh, Giancarlo told me himself that season three was going to be off the chain, quote unquote. <laughs> and he was extremely excited about it. So uh, even with before the trailers and everything else, it just kind of felt like they were going to push the limits on what they could do this season. And with everything that's been coming out since then, even the quote from Pedro Pascal, it just feels like it's going to be, on a much bigger scale than what we've seen in the last two seasons. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, expanding this universe even more, um, upping the stakes. I mean, these are all necessary things that have to happen. And um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they are masters of storytelling. They understand these necessities. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. It's hopefully at celebration. I don't know. Are you going to celebration, Robert, in London? In London? No, I am not. Uh, okay. London is too far of a reach for us. Um, but I mean, I wanted to go to the one that was in Anaheim if it wasn't for the kidney stone that I got two days before celebration happened. But no, it's it's just it it's too far. I can't make it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 
a little bit further for you, considering where you're at in the country, as opposed yeah. to me. I'm going to make the trip. I'm attempting it here. And hopefully we get a Mandalorian panel, which, I mean, you would figure, since it's probably the hottest property that Disney Star Wars has going. Um, but yeah, that by that time, I'm trying to think, we'll be halfway through the show. Just about a little further than halfway. Um, there's speculation, though. There, there's speculation as far as the video game side of the house. Because we got the, the, the notice. I'll put it up here on screen for Jedi Survivor. So Jedi Survivor has been pushed back a few weeks to April 28th as a global release. So, since this notice came out, there's been a lot of theories on why. And, of course, the notice says that it's due to polishing up the game, fixing bugs, what have you. But, have you guys heard uh, any stories about why they're doing this? Um, do you guys have thoughts uh, yourselves on, on why this is actually happening? Or do you think they're not telling us something? Uh because it's just a month that they're pushing it back. Could it have something to, to do with the Mandalorian or something to do with Ahsoka? I don't know. What What do you guys think, Ted? I have not considered that thought. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that there may be implications of a crossover of characters. And so that may be a thing. However, it's EA. It's probably just they need to make sure it's releasable and not have any, um, you know, massive public backlash for a, a fault tier buggy game. We've seen that happen to other studios in the past. That's nearly bankrupted them. So if it's, I'll take them at their word for now and um, hoping that they just put out a solid product on April 28th. Yeah, I feel like they're they were just being produced two separately for them to coincide in such a way that they would arrange it within the episode release schedule of the Mandalorian. Those dates get passed around so much that it's just hard to kind of lock something down so connected. Uh, and I would love them for it if they did that. But as Disney, they don't tend to do stuff like that or at least effectively pull it off. Like I did hear rumors like Grogu maybe showing up in Jedi Survivor, but I don't know if it would really tie into anything that's going on in the series, partly because at any point, one of them, either the game or the series, could have been pushed completely away longer than a month. So I do feel like it could just be more of just a technical issue of something that they're trying to fine tune and polish because I've been playing uh, the PlayStation 5 version of uh, Fallen Order recently. and It's buggy as hell for certain things. Mm -hmm. like it's still buggy as hell. It's the PS5 version. So mm -hmm. and that was one thing that kind of irked me about the, the Fallen Order as great as the game as it was. And I had a lot of fun playing it. There were some mechanics that were just kind of janky. And I'm just wondering if, you know, they're getting down to the wire and there's maybe just some code that they need to go through and it's going to at least be safer by a month. But 
it would be cool if there was some connective tissue to the Mandalorian, an episode or something. But uh, I personally just think because it is EA, as you said, um, Ted, that it's more than likely going to be just because EA is putting in stupid microtransactions or something stupid. <laughs> Knowing EA. Yeah, and, and, and the narrative from the fans the whole time has been, why would you cast Monaghan as Calcestis Cal and not use that same live-action actor in something? Kind of going back to my point with the four Mandalorians in that poster, I mean, you have the armor and you have Emily Swallow, who's an accomplished actress, her own. Her face is totally covered with the helmet, like with the whole kind of cult of Mandalorian that she's in, but it, it's kind of like, why, why is, is it just maybe for just in case the story goes that way? Or do you think we're reaching? Because it, it feels like to me, after kind of going through all these theories and all these kind of conspiracy stories that people are coming up with, it feels like maybe they're just, dropping the release date back so that maybe they could have a panel at celebration when that happens between the 7th and 10th so they can build up the game more and maybe they're not satisfied with the pre-orders and maybe they want to just market it a whole lot more so i'm i'm thinking more along those lines because it's it's an odd thing because you would figure they would try and fix the bugs on the fly like they always do that's that's kind of my thought on this That's situation. very true. Yeah, they do kind of just fix everything after the fact that's just what game companies do yeah. patches and and updates so um yeah it, may, it could be due to the panel or they don't want everybody sitting on their butts playing you know jedi survivor when they should be watching the mandalorian or something i don't know they don't want to cannibalize their own but then again it's right. the same company that put marvel and disney at the same exact day luckily they were smart enough to move them but you know they had the, they had no foresight when they first came up with those dates that, oh, damn, maybe we shouldn't have these two big companies releasing their episodes at the exact same time on the exact same day. But they figured that out eventually. Makes me think of the Solo release. They released Solo less than a month and a half from Infinity War. And yeah. Deadpool 2 came out as yeah. well in between that. So it's like uh, that imperfect storm that Solo was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yeah. we did get news that um, I think this is uh, it's kind of uncommon for Disney to talk about May 4th as much as they just did. But the second season of Visions is going to drop on Star Wars Day, the unofficial Star Wars Day. Or if it, is it official now? I don't know. May 4th this year, Visions will drop. And these are all the studios that we will get uh, these animated shorts from. from. What do you guys think? of the first season of visions uh, i don't know if i think ted you're an anime fan i believe what did you Not, think of that first season yeah i i dabble in 
anime. Uh, I think mm-hmm. my favorite series that I've seen is probably Castlevania. And that's just because I'm a big video game fan. Yeah. Um, but I love sort of not just visions, but anytime they do these sort of um, side projects, even the, the Grogu short that they did with um, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Studio Ghibli. Um, that was even, you know, it was worth watching. It was cute. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So looking forward to more of this sort of outside content um, where they allow studios to, you know, stretch their creative juices and participate in the Star Wars universe. Looking forward to it. So like with the, the varying episodes that Visions had, like I am not an anime fan. In fact, I'm very not versed at all when it comes to anime, even like the Ghibli stuff. The only thing I've ever seen is like Grave of the Fireflies when I was 13 broke mm. my heart and I never yeah. went back to watch anything else. But it was just never something. And Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll was pretty badass. I got it back here somewhere. Um, but that's it. So when I was able to kind of get uh, acquainted with more styles and uh, lore in Star Wars with Star Wars Visions, I absolutely loved it. Like Tatooine Rhapsody, like that episode, that song, that song that they ended up, the, the songs that they were playing with the band in that that episode, like was my favorite thing. Like we listened to it for like a week constantly because it, it, there's just so, and I wouldn't think that the episode about a band would be like my favorite one out of all of them, especially yeah. like with episodes like the duel, which was the first episode in that season. Wow. Um, but it's the different styles. It's a different execution of star Wars that I'm really excited for season two of visions. I just don't know how the viewership is. It got a second season, but our viewership was terrible. So it was more so about like us enjoying it on our own. And I think a lot of people did too. It's not reaction worthy for the most part, um, it's just damn good. Like it's well made, and uh, yeah, you could tell that all these creators is, of anime are Star Wars fans in their own way, and they brought it to you know at least crossed it over with different styles and different stories in anime that made it definitely worth a second season. I I think so. I'm looking forward to what they have in store. Yeah, totally. I was a big fan of that season one. It really kind of surprised me. And watching those shorts, it really felt like it was almost a way of Lucasfilm kind of getting ideas from other creators to make new content in a way. Because it felt like it was like a brainstorming session that people had on their own, on their own little islands, and then created something and really kind of got my creative juices flowing on what else you could do with Star Wars, with the IP. And there's a, always a certain level of frustration that's, that Lucasfilm doesn't give us live-action stuff like what the animated stuff has done. And, you know, there's a certain level of of just gambling in a way because, I mean, Star Wars stuff has to hit a certain way or else it's it's just not an option for for something star wars not to be successful and of course people point back to solo and solo still made money it basically made its money back it wasn't a billion dollar hit like most of these disney star wars live action films have been and of course the mandalorian was a huge hit but i would love to see star wars take more risks 
in live action, the TV shows. And I always point back to Marvel. They release like four films a year. Star Wars, I think it's a crime not to at least release one live action film, which hopefully at Celebration we'll get that announcement maybe with the Damon Lindelof walking across that stage, making the announcement of maybe a possible, I know a lot of people cringe at this, but maybe episode 10 and maybe doing a trilogy. I don't know, because there's reports out there that <laughs> Ted's saying no, no way. But and they were talking to Daisy. Yeah, yeah. And I always point back to that. People say, yeah, no, nah, don't make a big deal about that. She was just visiting. But I mean, she lives in the UK. She made a trip all the way out to California for a visit. And you don't think they spoke about Star Wars? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, and Ray's one of the most beloved characters from the sequel trilogy as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of Ray fans out there, and she's not talking like John Boyega in the media saying, "I don't want to be in a Star War." You know, it's Daisy Ridley is is kind of up for it. She's back on social media, she's posting Star Wars pictures, and I think there's something to that. I really think there's something to that. It would be a, a nice surprise to see her show up at Celebration because that's her that's her country. She's already there have a big announcement, a big splash, she's coming back. And it doesn't have to be necessarily in the films. It it feels like when Disney set up the sequel trilogy, they casted young enough actors to come back a whole lot sooner than the original trilogy Big 3 did. So that's kind of where I stand. So nice. So the legacy of nerds says dang it's late. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Late to the party. So mm -hmm. the next thing that I wanted to uh, talk about here was I'm trying to find the picture. Did you guys notice? Are, are you guys car fans at all? No, not really. I drive a car. <laughs> yeah, I, I drive count. a car too. I have, I have a few cars, but none as nice as you can find here. So, Apparently, they went to uh, a, a McLaren factory on the show floor here. A lot like what they did with Rogue One, where they filmed at Canary Wharf, uh, the underground in London. They shot this scene, which was basically the, um, the ship station in Andor. And apparently, they're shooting currently right now, and this is in London. So... This is a picture I got from Bestman Bulletin. It's the McLaren Tech Center. And having these sites like this, I think, are so, so interesting because it's a site you can actually go to. And I know when I'm going to London, I'm going as soon as I can to Canary Wharf and, and taking as many pictures as possible because, of course, Rogue One is super beloved. It's one of my favorite Star Wars films. And there's actually going to be a 501st bash held there. I don't have tickets for it. Hopefully I can procure some tickets since I am a 501st member. I know they're all sold out, but um, this place in, in London, there are actual reports that Cassie Nandor of Diego Luna has not been in London for a while, even though they're shooting right now. There's a report that there's going to be a kind of like a off-site trip to a spot in Spain 
and they're gonna actually shoot some stuff maybe on like some old castles or, or something that i heard a report stating that there's something pertaining to that i'm not sure story-wise how that relates uh but have you guys heard anything about the the difference in the andor shooting i know it, it didn't really shoot much in london it shot on off sites but it looks like they're gonna venture off and does it surprise you that it feels like disney's taking on more budget, it seems like, for a show that didn't do so great in in the uh, viewership and the ratings for Disney Plus. Yeah, viewership was garbage, man, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. At least for us, just for us, like there was a nice little you know bump when it came to some of the bigger episodes, but it breaks my heart to see Andor as low as it was. But yeah. I love that, although you know, even the viewership being low and before they would find out that the viewership would be low they invested in two seasons they invested in at least telling us you know a chunk of the story that if they wanted to they can just end it with season two and we go right into rogue one so the fact that they've invested they invested so much into location shootings versus the volume and for that like the fact that they've been going back to places that they're going to new places uh i love them for it because that's one of the things i marveled at was the location shootings and the set sets that they built uh and just the towns and the the not so much the aliens there wasn't a whole lot of those which is weird why are you afraid of putting aliens in your damn shows disney uh but yeah like the the investment at least i see it being there when it comes to throwing money at it, getting to production value on a movie level. And I'm just hoping this doesn't make them, you know, gun shy in the future to not do it for the next thing and then decide, well, maybe it's just better if we go volume, but they're only doing it because they said yes to handle for two seasons. But, you know, there's a balance there. I hope there's some kind of a return. I think K2SO, if K2SO does show up with, which if you're going to end it with season two, you need K2SO. I mean, he's a big yeah. part of that leading into Rogue One. So uh, for me, I would love it if Andor went on for five seasons, six seasons, and then into Rogue One. But three, three at the minimum. But, you know, it's at least good to see that they invested money and time and energy into two seasons worth of uh, Star Wars, at least. Guaranteeing us two seasons. When everything else, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, with Andor, it was at the very beginning, which I think all the fans have been clamoring for. It's a finite story for two seasons. Season one, season two. Season two is going to directly lead up to the events of the film Rogue One. So unfortunately, we can't get a third season unless they condense that second season. There's a, a dramatic reversal of viewership and it becomes the most popular series where they just cut the season in half that they were going to do and make it into a third season. I, I heavily doubt they're going to do that, but it does, it does give me hope that Disney sees a creator like Tony Gilroy and, and just upfront green lights, what he wants to do and kind of stays away. And he said, I want to film on location. I said, okay, cool. You can do that. We found out later that he did use a little bit of the volume stuff, but not a lot. And I think it really shows on screen in comparison to the shows like Obi-Wan um, and, and Book of Boba Fett, where it looked a little smaller. Uh, but for TV, of course, you don't have that massive, huge budget that you have for a feature film. But yeah, it's 
it I think Andor's gonna do that thing where you see a really good film at the theater, nobody sees it, but it does great on the secondary third market and and people are gonna eventually watch the show which reports are they are doing right now there is a little bit i I think it's plateaued in viewership and it's not dropping um as much as they figured it would so people are discovering the show and then you have the whole section of people that said oh i'm just gonna wait and binge the whole thing when all the shows drop so that's happened and i think if there's a big marketing blitz for and or season two People that didn't see Andor 1 are going to go back, check it out. And then with all the Mandalorian stuff coming back up, um, maybe Celebration stuff. We're going to be in the heart of their shooting in that country. And maybe we'll get some Andor stuff. And of course, for Celebration, Lucasfilm always has a live camera on those panels. And you'll be able to see that stuff on StarWars.com unless they change it. Hopefully they don't, because I know there's a lot of people that really wanted to go to London that can't and of course if i if i go hopefully i am gonna make it there hopefully i win those lotteries to get into those panels that's the other big thing that it's gonna really suck if i go there and don't win any lotteries and i'm just outside the door so hopefully that happens so ted what are your thoughts on this what was the original question? I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, we've been gone. We've go gone for so long. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to recall exactly the timeline that we're supposed to be expecting. Uh, let's see. Andor season one was sort of told within a matter of maybe weeks, maybe months, or you know, lesser part of a year. But the next season is supposed to take place over three, four years. If I'm not mistaken, it, it's going to take place every three episodes is going to be a year. There you go. Before Rogue nice. One, so and so, every nice. every three episodes is going to be a block directed by a single director. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm getting at is um, expect massive time jumps um, that are going to be felt in a certain way. Mm, Perhaps yeah. you know we're just going to get these four separate arcs in this second season that are going to be very clear and very decisive. And I'm okay with that. Season one also showed us a lot of additional characters. Yes. We're following, you know, Diego Luna and Andor throughout this, but there is a whole slew of supporting characters in this series. And so Diego not sort of being on this set doesn't, you know, kind of ring uh, any alarms or raise any red flags for me because there's just so many characters in this series. I also hope that as we are getting closer to the events of Rogue One, they might sprinkle in the characters from Rogue One that are necessary. I'm not expecting Jin to be around, obviously. But um, I am hoping that they try and um, really have a very nice transition for us by putting in characters that make sense. I'm expecting, you know, Force Whitaker probably probably to show up somewhere in the second season for sure a lot. Um, but additional characters from Rogue One that we, you know, should expect to see. I'm looking forward to it. I think that this second season well let's take a step back the first season was your stepping stone 
you were building the foundation, you were laying the groundwork, and you've successfully launched your war campaign. That's what the first season was about. And so really looking forward to the second season and what they do. You know, the time jumps do seem very reminiscent, too, of what House of the Dragon just did. And it, I loved it. Like, it worked for me. Like, it left me wanting more. And we all know Disney's all about that, you know, subsequent novels and books and everything to fill in the blanks, games. But I don't know what it was. For some reason, just skipping through time and jumping to, like, the meat of the battle of what's coming. Like, it, I, I don't know. It worked for me. And I feel like if Andor does that damn like if they can make it tighter and make this you know us basically running towards rogue one you think krennic krennic and dedra would end up like working together or you think krennic's off doing his death star stuff i i think that's gonna think that's gonna happen we're gonna see both of them on screen they, they both love wait. to wear white i can't wait and <laughs> i i think the rumors are ben mendelson is is returning but what please Ted said and you robert alluded to earlier you want to see more aliens i'd love to see pow and biston show back up the uh the space monkey alien that was shooting the gun that shot the ATACT down. Dude, that whole crew. Lead. That yeah. whole crew, all of them. What's his name? Uh the, the I forgot his name. The one that's there, he was in prison with him. It's been a Melchie. while since Me- Melshi. Melshi. Yeah. That crew, like I want that crew ever maybe a, one of the three episodes. Get yeah. that crew working with Andor, going off, doing a mission, something crazy. That's when you have Saw Guerrera come in, like they're all doing their thing. And if you remember, three three PO and R two were were in that base as well, mm-hmm. so That's they right. might be rolling around the back of Chopper, Hera, yeah. General yeah. Sandula was called over the intercom. You think they're all them? kind of around? Yeah. You think they'll save them just for ah- Ahsoka? As much as I want Chop to get in on some of the action, my answer is no. They are not <laughs> being saved. You think that? Oh, you think they'll be in Andor? Or you're well, I mean, not word on the street. Yeah, word on the street is, and and we we talked about this on the podcast years ago about the fact that they have a fully functional, newly created Yoda puppet for -hmm. the Last Jedi, and they're not utilizing that puppet at all. It's sitting in a box somewhere in England. I mean, you would figure you you cast certain actors, and you have multiple projects happening and intertwining at Manhattan Beach Studios in California in Mandalorian Season 3, possibly another season of Book of Boba Fett, Skeleton Crew, Ahsoka. It's like four possible projects all filming simultaneously. And if you have those certain Rebels characters, so walk across the lot and go to the next soundstage and appear, and you know? And it's kind of legit because you, could, you, you get them during Rebels era, so it's like... Yeah. They're just being transplanted. But would you do Mary Elizabeth Winstead as like Hera still? You start getting into the age gap, but it, I guess it's not that much of an age gap. No, no, that that's actually probably the less lesser of all age gaps. Right, new, right. New Hope to Mandalorian ain't that long. All right, so, right. Of yeah, you could do Mary Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right, I'm for it. Okay, bring the rebels. I don't care. Do, it, do three episodes. Do one of the three episodes with with rebels crew. Who would you do, Kanan? Then. Well, well, Kanan, Kanan, would Kanan? Yeah, Kanan would be around by that at that time, wouldn't he? 
Oof. I don't know what uh, the timeline matches up because Maybe yeah, he, not, yeah, yeah. Spoilers for Rebels. He kind of doesn't make it at the end. If you're watching this show at one in the morning <laughs> when it's happening, you know, okay, you know what happened to Kanan. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I think the fans have a lot to be excited for. They could possibly drop some some super huge stuff on us at Celebration. And I think they're withholding a lot of stuff. I think we're going to get casting for everyone. I think we're going to get Thrawn casting at Celebration. I think we're going to get an announcement of the future film slate. Um, I think they're going to have a plan. And if it is Damon Lindelof, he's Mm. been thinking about Star Wars since he was a little kid, since he was Mm. able to read and write. Not a fan of Damon Lindelof, Robert? I watched every episode of Lost as it aired every Wednesday all the way. So did I through the end right so you you get you get we went on that ride together elongated and winded Mm -hmm. uh, damon lindelof tends to be and i do you can tighten him up please yes let's not drag our feet like i and and it was abc too which is disney and that's that's my only worry with the pairing too same with once upon a time like there is just this elongated sense of storytelling that Lindelof can get trapped in and uh but then you know what's what's the one he did for HBO and it was one and done it was Watchmen of course incredible 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 Incredible. so if you can do it tight but look what happened it was like and I'm done that's what he needs to do he needs to be like I'm I'm doing this we're building this and then let's go we're done and if he can do that instead of what they did with Lost and Once Upon a Time and all the other stuff they produced and came up with, uh, then we're good. But Watchmen, also another property that feels like didn't get the massive audience that you think it should have gotten. It just in terms of under-celebrated, under-reviewed, yeah. Yeah. I agree. But good masterpiece. Stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did any of you guys watch his other HBO series that he did, uh, which was uh, The Leftovers. Ah, that was the other one. Yeah, dude. Christopher Eccleston's episode. He's a priest, I believe, oh, in, wow. this, in this town who gets left behind. Uh, oh. so when, when, right? Right? Yeah. So he's a preacher or something. Uh, and he gets left behind. And his episode, where you get to like why he got left behind. Interesting. Oh, dude. Like you take the doctor and you're like, that's the fucking doc right there. Sorry, custom <laughs> your channel. But it's, it, dude, like Eccleston kills it. And, and then I tapped out at that point because I was like, this is just peak. I'm done. I didn't care about the rest of the show just because everybody else wasn't as interesting, in my opinion, compared to him. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen The Leftovers. And. Yeah, the show's PG thirteen, so you got the one F bomb in there. So there you go, you get one. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for celebration. I'm going, like I said. Um, hopefully, lots of surprises. Hopefully, everyone can watch. Um, it'll be. I think the panels will be later in the day because of the time differential. I think there's an eight hour difference between us and Central Time where I'm located. So um, yeah, people should not have to take days off of work or whatever to, to watch the stuff unless they air it earlier in the day. I don't know, but yeah, super excited. Thanks everyone for joining Ted Robert um, on short notice. 
But uh, yeah, I love podcasting with you. (laughs) I love (laughs) podcasting with you guys. Uh, Yeah, I had a lot going on. And uh, yeah, Ted, can you tell the people where they can find you at? Absolutely. Uh, You can find us at Countdown City Geeks on YouTube or CountdownCityGeeks.com to find sort of all of what we're doing these days. And um, one last thing about Celebration, I'm most looking forward to uh, more from The Acolyte, which is probably the most intriguing project that they've announced in recent years. Um, Probably too soon for a full trailer, but hopefully at least some sort of a sizzle reel or a teaser trailer would be ideal. Looking forward to it. I say if James Gunn can film Guardians of the Galaxy for two weeks and then come to San Diego Comic-Con and bring a full-blown trailer, they can give us a decent trailer for Acolyte because they've been filming for a while now in the UK. So I'm expecting those actors to walk across that stage. So, Robert, where can the people find you? Dude, I'm so excited for Lee Jung-Jae from Squid Game and Acolyte, dude. I I I cannot wait. I'm so happy for their success. Uh, Late to the party. Watch our Bad Back Bad. Bad, 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 bad batch reactions on our chats. Another one that's hurting, man. Uh, but mm, we're having yeah. a hell of a time, hell of a time with the bad bitch. So uh, watch them. Come check them out. Late to the party. Bad batch. Every yeah, for Wednesday. Sure. Wednesday. Yeah. And in Mandalorian season three, which is a big deal right now in our household. Yeah, it's it's going to be huge as we prognosticated here. So for Ted, Robert, my name is David. May the force be with you all. Ways.